ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Hi, and welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here with a pre-race edition of the podcast. Normally, we're talking after a cup race, but of course, we're coming off an off weekend heading into the NASCAR on NBC 2022 season, which kicks off this Sunday at Nashville Super Speedway. Who better to be joined <laughs> than NASCAR and NBC analyst Steve Wittart, who was just telling me about his fabulous European vacation. It was great. It was great. Uh, you know, we the NASCAR series was off for a week, and my son's finally graduated from high. We had a small window, vacation window, between graduation and Nashville. So uh, it was great. <laughs> we got to spend some time, did a little vacation, but I am ready to get to the racetrack and see some racing in person. I know there are a few people in the world more ready than you, especially after a week in Italy, for 20 straight weeks of NASCAR and NBC, which starts, again, as I mentioned, Nashville Super Speedway, 5 p.m. Eastern Sunday on NBC. But I wanted to start, Stevie, by just talking about what we've seen so far in the 2022 Cup Series season. I think the story of the year, Trackhouse Racing, I mean, obviously, what could be better time than not only having Daniel Suarez win his first race at Sonoma, but also coming to Nashville, where Justin Marks, Ty Norris, Trackhouse co-owner, Trackhouse executive both live. Trackhouse has a presence there. Let's start by just talking about Trackhouse and your impressions. I mean, is it the story of the year? It certainly seems that way to me. I mean, I think it has to be. You know, we've seen this so many times that I, I think I didn't really even give them the credit. I mean, how many... Hall of Fame racings can come and go, and you're like, yeah, it's not going to work out. And the ones that do, like Stuart Haas, people forget, I don't know how many years Haas was around before Stuart joined. You know, that's not a new organization. Yeah. Yeah. So to see Trackhouse come out with a very calculated approach, right, so a very small physical commitment year one, they lease most of their equipment from Childress. Really, I think their only employee might be Travis Mack. Like, it, it was a very interesting approach. Then this big purchase of Ganassi, and now they're all in with two feet, two cars, and their success. And I hate to say this because it's my job to have an opinion, and I do, but I have very little fact to know why. Like, right. Why? Is right. it the car? Is, right. it the, is it the charters? Is it the drivers? Is it the – you know, there's so many questions. The only thing I can say is that the car and the massive change was a huge opportunity and point of entry – and Justin Marks predicted it, and he got, you know, what do they say? Uh, buy low, sell high. Well, he, he his point of entry couldn't have been better. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because this is where I want to go. There is a lot of debate here. What is the reason for, for the success? We've heard the next gen mentioned. We've heard the culture mentioned. Justin Marks said after Daniel Suarez's win at Sonoma. It's hard to put it into words. I mean, you know, when Ty Norris and I first started 
talking about this, when I came to Ty and was like, I've got this, this idea, I mean, what I said first and foremost is that I believe with this new car is truly going to be about the people. The people are going to make this car go. And the way that they've changed the model of the sport a little bit is that you have to invest in your people and keep them motivated and put talented people in positions and lift them up and empower them. And I just believe that. And I think we're seeing that right now because we've got a great culture at Trackhouse. So when you look at the Stevie, obviously he's got a lot of people from Ganassi. He's got the Ganassi shop. That was clearly the foundation for Trackhouse expanding to a second car in 2022. But how much of this is just kind of Justin Marks instilling his philosophies or understanding that they needed people to make this work? Okay, so I will disagree with him if he feels it's only people now. Because for 20 years, I worked at Hendrick Motorsports, and it was never about the parts of the pieces. Yeah, it's always been people. It's always been people. The problem is now it's the people and how they execute the technology that is reasonably available to everyone. Right? So he's not wrong. It's the people. He's wrong if he thinks it's now just the people because it's been the people forever. The problem, what used to happen is it not only was the people – but you had to convince the people that were comfortable and had, the, and had the history to somehow bring over the knowledge and technology of years and years and years and years of tried and failed, tried and succeeded. You, you, know, you kind of mm -hmm. get what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. So it's not just – think about it like restaurants. If every restaurant in Charlotte had to buy the same ingredients from the same supplier, then I believe you could open a restaurant tomorrow, and if you had the best chef, you're going to have the best food, and you're going to have the best attendance. But that's not how the restaurant business works. Right. You have to market and you have to sell and you have to have different ingredients. So therefore, it's not just the best person making the soup. It's the best person finding the right ingredients. And it's the best marketing guy. And it takes more good people. So Justin is correct. It is all about the people. He's wrong because it's always been about the people. The difference is, is I'll call it 50%. I don't know the real number. All of the technology, everything that he would have had to play catch up on his porn entry was equal with the rest of the field. So what I'm here, when I hear that statement, what I hear is Justin Marks, who I am a big fan of, believes he can find the people. He can market the people. He can motivate the people. I mean, they re, they redecal the shop. They have this passionate belief in their own way of doing things. And I think that's spectacular. And I don't think, I think that would have been great forever, but the reason it's so special now is because all the stuff he didn't have, he didn't need. He only really needed the people, if that makes sense, right? Like, like, so he makes it sound like the magic mix is that he figured it out was the people. I think it was a magic mix because he didn't need the rest of it. Yeah, and it sounds to me like when we talk about that people equation, that used to be institutional knowledge was important. I'm going to go get that guy who worked at Hendrick or Penske or Gibbs because it's not just like I believe in them as a person, but it's what they know. And now is it more kind of plug and play of like, I just need to find people who, even if they're young or relatively inexperienced, you got to know something about racing cars. But if you know enough, you can make a difference or make an impact here. So I believe that if I was tasked in building a race team now versus 10 years ago, 10 years ago, your education would be less important than your resume, where you worked how much you wanted to be in racing. Did you run late models? Were you a racer? Were you a grinder? That's what I looked for. I didn't care if you went to Harvard or, or a local community college. It didn't make a difference. I wanted to know who you were and what you were willing to do, not what you knew. Now it's the opposite. Now 
I don't care that you've been in NASCAR for five years. I don't care that you are a late model guy. Now, you still have to have the work ethic. Don't confuse the two. But I don't need a racer. I need simple IQ, tons of IQ. I need people that can put puzzles together, take puzzles apart, can problem solve. I need that. I need people that will look at it differently. So I would be hiring different people because we aren't designing the cars. We're assembling them. Now, I want to make a note, though. The, do not confuse fair and equal. Right? Like Every team has the ability to buy the same parts. But if you think this is Ikea and you just put it together <laughs> by the book and they all run the same speed, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> not all the cars are equal. So they are being assembled the same way. It's like what you're doing. I'm not even saying they're the assembled same the same way. Really? Same okay. way. Well, I mean, you don't get that IKEA thing that tells you insert A into B into C. Like that doesn't come with the NASCAR you next. You do, gen. but I believe I believe that nothing in the world has zero tolerance. And anybody that's put an IKEA furniture together knows at some point you kind of got to fudge the directions to get it to look <laughs> the right way. Yeah. And I think this car is no different. I think that, and 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 I will say this. I don't explain it to the fans, and I'm not going to on air because the nuances are boring. They're so minute, they're boring. A race fan shouldn't care about it. Just just watch them race, beat and bang, pit stops, pit crews, you know. But if you're, you know, Justin Marks, the people you're hiring really care about the nuances. Yes, yeah. yeah. So and those nuances matter in terms of performance. Everything matters all the time. Yeah. So it's been obviously extremely impactful Stevie on the careers of Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain. So Ross Chastain had already won twice, which Justin Marks said after Sonoma that had put a little heat on Daniel Suarez and Travis Mack. It was a bit tough for them, but Daniel Suarez wins this race. Afterward, we get confirmation from him that he isn't a contract year and both Daniel Suarez and Ty Norris both address his future. Daniel Suarez says, I felt support and trust, honestly, like I have never felt before in the cup series. So it was, it was, it was pretty amazing to feel that when it comes to, when it comes to the contract stuff, actually, uh, I started with Rahal with a couple year, uh, contract and, and, and a month ago, uh, we started talking about contract again to, you know, just to get a new contract for, for the next, I don't know, year or two or whatever that may be. And honestly, the first thing came to my mouth, uh, a month ago when, when, when we started those conversations one was, I don't want to even think, I don't want to even talk about this, right? I don't care. I'm, my focus was somewhere else, uh, that is already to win races. So, you know, this is my home. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, uh, about contract today, tomorrow, next month, in a couple of months, I feel like we're in a very, very good place. Uh, probably the best place I ever been uh, with a team. So I'm 100% sure things are going to work out. Ty Norris tells us on Motormouths that we actually had a conversation with Gustavo Arenas, who was his uh, his manager. We had a, a, a conversation with him back in Martinsville. I was driving to Martinsville, called him up, and I said, "Hey, let's get away ahead of this thing." Um, Justin and I had a, a lot of uh, very healthy conversations about it. We, we, we love Daniel. We love what he's doing. We love what's happening with the company. So I, um, I, I spent some time with Gustavo and Charlotte during the Coke 600. We actually came to um, uh, a verbal handshake to, to um, you know, where we were going to be. There's just a few cleanup things that were sort of unknowns back in 2020 when we first started putting this together that are a little bit more known now. And uh, so, uh, so I think Daniel's right. It's, it's, I would say it's a hundred percent chance that Daniel Suarez is re-signed with us next year. He's not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Um, uh, we, we love him. We love what he's done. That wins. That wins Sunday. 
uh, quite honestly, uh, what, what has no bearing on whether or not we were going to extend him. We were already in that conversation. But what it did for, for him was just completely um, give him the confidence that, you know, he's in, a, he's in a fantastic spot. He's where he needs to be. This is his home, and we wanted to keep it his home. So how important do you think was this victory for Daniel Suarez in terms of 99 team morale, him and Travis Mack not having that win while Chastain had two already and in terms of the future because there is some driver movement happening now and I'm sure it's nice for Daniel Suarez to hear from the team that, yeah, you're our guy. So do you want my PC answer or my real opinion? <laughs> we always want your real opinion, of course. Monumental. I think Daniel Suarez perhaps would not be in the 99 if he couldn't find victory lane this year. Wow. That's my opinion. Listen, I'll say it. This isn't intramural football. This isn't high school sports. This isn't local soccer leagues. This is professional motorsports. I don't care how much you like them. I don't care how much you want them to be in there. I believe Justin Marks believes in Daniel Suarez. And I think Justin Marks wanted the whole time Daniel Suarez in the synonymous. I don't think Justin Marks was going, oh, I want to replace him. But I just question Justin Marks is also a very smart businessman. And it's easy to say that Suarez is the guy until we can, you and I can name the list of drivers that we think perhaps could move. Mm-hmm. One of them's pop open with a sponsor. Then Justin Marks and Ty Norris have to make a real business decision. Now, luckily, I don't think any of that's going to happen because I think Daniel Suarez, uh, we, I think we always thought he was talented. He's an Xfinity Series champion. The fact that he's a Mexican-born driver, I think, is great for the sport. I also think it's great for his markability. It gives him an opportunity into certain companies other people won't, and good for him. He deserves it because it was anything but an easy road to get here into NASCAR, so he deserves um, the, the small advantages he may have because there are very few versus the uphill battle in which he fought. But I believe like performance matters. Don't kid yourself. I, I know it's a great story, and we yeah. want him to be good, but performance matters. I don't think he would have been fired because he didn't win. That's not what I'm saying, but I do think he could have been replaced by someone who they thought could win. And, and that's not a knock on Daniel. That's perhaps the other people that might be available. But now that Suarez has proven he can win and win in a dominating fashion of just outrunning cars, I've always believed in Travis Mack. You know I'm a huge Travis Mack fan. He has, all, he has not one time. I talk to Travis a lot. He's never, ever said a negative word about his driver. He believes so much in Daniel. It's unbelievable. So I'm, I'm happy they got the win. You know, I'm not supposed to root for anyone, but when I was watching those closing laps, I'm like, man, bravo. This young man deserves a win. The team deserves a win. Because, unfortunately, I sat at a competition meeting where the guy across the way continued to win, and it's really hard on your ego. Chastain was doing it, and now Daniel has it. And like you said, he didn't back into it at Sonoma. He, he won that race authoritatively. And I think it was especially important when you go back to Circuit of the Americas, Chastain's first win, where Suarez, I think, was on pole. I know he dominated and won the first stage. And then since then, it feels like things just haven't the gone his way. The gap has widened. Right? The gap yeah. has widened. While I, Chastain's been more consistent. So I said it on Motor Mouse. They said, hey, you know, what is, or, uh, you know, we talked about Suarez. What does he need to do? And I said, listen, he needs to just try a little less. I think that my opinion, because I've been in this hot seat before of a, of a teammate winning, is you just want it so bad, you can almost want it too bad, force mistakes, not your best. You know, golfers don't swing 100% all the time, right? Sometimes 90% is enough. Daniel just needed to back down to 90%. And I think that, that that's what I saw. What I saw out in Sonoma was that he drove, you know, he drove as hard as he needed to to win. He wasn't over – he didn't make – I don't think he missed a corner. I didn't see him slip a tire in the last 20 laps. My point is he almost just settled in, was like, this, I'm good enough, I'm fast enough, I'm going to drive to my limit, and it's going to be good enough. Versus, you know, it would have been very easy for him to overdrive, 
lose the lead and have a big trouble. Yeah. So so I was very happy for him. And I'll give you a chance to brag on Travis Mack a little bit more because I think, I don't want to say he's been lost in this, but I had totally forgotten the backstory to you just mentioned. I mean, here's a guy who is sort of, his career unfortunately was almost sort of left for dead by what, what happened, I believe, was it the 95 where he, he lost his ride? I guess Levine Family Racing, I think it was a couple of years ago. And he took a little bit of a leap of faith going from junior motorsports to sign with Trackhouse Racing, which at the time was more of an upstart organization. Like you said, hasn't said a negative word about his driver, even though Daniel Suarez hadn't won when he joined with him at Trackhouse. And it is a nice story there as well. So Travis Mack, so there are there are, and always will be so many crew chiefs that were so much smarter than I ever dreamt of being with cars and technology. I'm not an engineer. I didn't go to college. My signature has always been the people, which is funny. We started this podcast this way, the strategy and leading people. Hire the Kevin Menderings of the world. Hire the Travis Max of the world. Hire the Jason Burdett's of the world. And let them be as great as they all can be. And, and those three individuals specifically carried my reluctant, very less talented crew chief <laughs> all the way to wins because those three were on the team and they were so good. You know, so surrounding myself with great people. So – that's a long-winded way of saying, so when I see Travis succeed, it makes my heart warm because it's a check in the box of the non-engineers. It's yes. a check in the yes. box of, you know, when I look at Travis, I don't think of a engineer. I don't think of a car guy. Even though he is, I think of a leader. I think of a motivator. I think of a guy who who is going to do great things wherever he goes in life because it's not about race cars. It's about people. We just heard it's all about the people. That's what Travis is great at. Um, so to see him succeed is a huge success story, and I, I couldn't say enough good things about it. It's him. validation for how you think a crew chief should run a team and be successful. It one, is. It truly is. Yeah. Because there were a few years there where I wondered if I knew what I was talking about because the engineers were, were winning 20 or 30 races a year. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to blanket the engineers because there are some engineers that are brilliant, and unfortunately for them, they don't have the leadership qualities, and they won't be the crew chiefs. Uh, but then there are some engineers – that are wonderful, great crew chiefs because they have both the mix. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd have been a better crew yeah. chief if I could have been an engineer too. I just wasn't smart enough. I mean, Chris Gabehart seems to me like exactly. great engineer, great leader. Totally. Both so, sides. so there's yeah. both. But, yeah. uh, but if you took the pure engineers, then the center field is the guys that can do both, and we see them consistently win, win championships. Alan Gustafson's right, Cliff Daniels, they come to mind all the time. But then over here to the right are the non-engineering at all, and there's yeah. very few of them. So when I see a guy like Travis win, I'm one for the home team. So that's another team in the playoffs. We think now Trackhouse probably going to get both cars in. We don't think oh, no. you they're going to be more the than 16 problem winners. It's not going to be 16. <laughs> okay, it's going to be 13 or 14 <laughs> winners. I love how when this gets raised, I've, I've heard Chase Elliott, I've heard Kyle Larson, I've heard Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano. Every driver who gets asked about this, they want to dismiss it. They don't want to hear anything of more than 16 winners. I ain't so worried about it. You're right there with them. Nope, I ain't. So if that's the case, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., both winless drivers. Truex, pretty solid in points. Harvick's right outside. Okay, now, now hold on. I don't think we're going to have more than 16 winners. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you right now, you better dang think you better win. Okay. Okay. Like I'm, I'm not saying we're going to have 17, 18, 19 where we're going to eliminate winners. I'm not in that boat. Can't get me there. I could be wrong, and I'll come on here and tell you I was wrong. No way. <laughs> but it would not shock me if we had 13, 14, 15. Okay. In that case, then both those guys are. That's my – like, yeah. so, so if I have a win, I would have zero concern about missing the playoffs on points. 
If I don't have a win, 100% convinced I had better win to make the playoffs. <laughs> so what should be the level of concern for Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr.? Hi. Yeah. Hi. They could miss the playoffs. You know what? They don't care about the playoffs. I mean, they do, but they don't. This is my opinion, not their words. This is my analysis of the two people whom I know, two champions. I've heard many drivers say this in their own form, so I'm going to use my own words, but it's basically like they didn't start the season to try to make the playoffs. They started the season to win the championship. So if they're worrying about even making the playoffs, that's the result of how they think they should run anyway. Like they're not saying we got to make the playoffs. They're saying we got to win. Not because it's in the playoffs, because they're winners, hmm. because they're champions, because they're like, you, you know, we associate it with making the playoffs. And of course, deep down, they probably do as well. But I would say that if they make the playoffs without a win, they're absolutely going to put up the best fight they can. But it, you're going to be hard to convince the, that they believe deep down that they can just turn it on and all of a sudden win three or four or five races and end up a champion. They're, they're not thinking, hey, I'm going to miss the playoffs. They're thinking about, I want to win a race. I truly believe that. And at the same time, in, in Truex's case, they're also thinking about long-term, the future. Does he want to drive beyond the 2022 season? And this is another storyline we'll be following, Stevie, here in the NASCAR NBC schedule. Driver movement. We've got the, the number 10 car for Stuart House Racing has not been announced yet for 2023. We've got Martin Truex Jr. openly wrestling with, does he want to drive next year? Ty Gibbs waiting in the wings there. Joe Gibbs Racing, Xfinity race winner. What do you make of everything we're seeing there and what we'll see over the next 20 races? I'm drawing it as you say it. The 10 is the top of the pyramid because that's there's no uh, speculation. There's no question. It has been announced. It is it has never been wavered. Eric Almarola is retiring. The 10 that is, is open. open. Yep. So that is what I call a marquee ride. What's a marquee ride? A marquee ride with the charter system, they've grown, right? We used to have, we had 36 charters, probably 25 marquee rides now 27 out of 20 and good for the sport now we're growing 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 Stuart Haas that's a marquee ride great ride that's fact that is a major domino because I don't see that being filled from a Saturday driver unless it's a guy that switches manufacturers I just don't see a current Ford driver on Saturdays that are is ready to go cup racing on Sundays so with that said what then is it a are we gonna see Trying to think who's the back half of the cut. Like, there's just not a lot of full-time drivers that are in in the kind of the fringe, right? So that is fact. And I think some of that not being announced is because they're waiting to hear what happens in the 19 and the 18. (laughs) Because if I'm a driver who has a chance to get out of my contract, no offense to SHR, and I think I can get in the 19 and the 18. If it's just the 19, you assume it's going to be Ty Gibbs which I would. I'm going to go on record to say that I believe in move them up, move them up as fast as you can, park them, and know that they are going to get their nose bloodied for two years in cup because it is super difficult, and that's okay. Let them learn the new car. I believe in that system now that I watched it happen with William Byron. But remember, until I see ink dry on the 18, I know everybody thinks he's coming back, but I want to see an announcement. Kyle Busch has certainly made it known. He wants to have a contract with Joe Gibbs Racing, but and I think there isn't one him. yet. And, and they want him, but yeah. Well, I, I heard there is one. Well, I've heard there is one, but not reasonably enough, right? I think it comes down to financing and sponsors, and it's all hearsay. I don't have any facts, but I think he definitely wants to be there, but wanting to be there, you know, wise man once told me, you know, it's not about the money until it's all about the money. <laughs> um, and I don't think anyone argues Kyle Busch's value. The question is, very simple. Does the car raise enough capital to pay Kyle Busch what he thinks he's worth? And I would probably say Joe Gibbs probably agrees that he's worth that much, but he has to have it to spend it. And you raise an interesting point because 
the candidates for the 10 car. We haven't heard as much as we maybe have in the past. I mean, obviously, Ryan Priest gets mentioned a lot because he's running a partial schedule. He has a relationship with Kevin Harvick's company. He would seem a natural candidate, but it's not like anybody's ready to put him in that car immediately. We're not, we're not hearing th- those types of rumblings yet. And in the Xfinity series, like you said, I mean, Ty Gibbs... Obviously, he's ticketed for Cup, but we know who he's going to be driving for. He's driving for his grandfather. The other names, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, both winners there. Do you think we'll start to hear more of that in our half of the season? There haven't been a lot of big storylines yet on the Xfinity side in the first half, aside from Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs. Maybe we'll see more of that in our side of the season. Nate, I want you and Dustin to start going around and asking what drivers are absolutely locked up because I'm having a hard (laughs) time putting my finger on that. Yeah. You know, because I hear yeah. Reddick was done, but not done. And then I hear whispers that there's opportunities for outs. and co- You know what really? I learned about contracts is, the, man, there's more loopholes for loopholes for loopholes. So. I can tell you that Richard Childress told Dustin Long, and I believe Jordan Bianchi a couple of months ago, that they had exercised their option Richard Childress Racing had on Reddick for next year. So the follow-up question would be, does that mean he has no opportunity to leave? Good point. Yeah. So I'm married to a lawyer. Yeah. So <laughs> I know how all these contracts work. And, and, right. and I'm not trying to stir the pot, right? But the simple fact is is, you know, there's a difference between being under contract and being under contract with no opportunity to go anywhere. I mean, just because you have a con- – like, so I don't know. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I really don't know. And when you have the potential for both the 18 and the 19, you talk about premier rides like you were talking about. I mean, and the 10. That's another level even above the 10 when you think about it. I mean, well, so, so let's stir the pot the other way. Is the 10 being open the problem that Gibbs is having with the 18? If there was no 10, if we take the 10 off the board, where is Kyle Busch going? It's a hard question to answer. It doesn't seem I mean, like I, there's I don't a lot have of avenues. The answer, and yeah. I, I'm not trying to speculate. I don't know. But I, when I look at it as an analyst, purely from a level playing field of NASCAR racing, yep. say Hendrick, full, yep. right? Unless I'm mistaken, Byron just re-upped. Okay, they're full, yep. right? And I go down. And Penske, you're young and full. Penske's full yep. um, for next year at least. Yeah. Wood Brothers, I don't know if Harrison has a multi-year deal, so there's perhaps a question mark there. The 10's definitely open. You know, Kevin Harvick is not losing his ride. It, he would have to quit for that ride to come open. You know, so it's like when you look at the plan. You know, it's great to negotiate, but you got to have somewhere to go. <laughs> Need leverage, and it seems so, like there's only one obvious team there. Now maybe there's. Now listen, I didn't see Trackhouse buying Chip Ganassi last <laughs> yeah, year, exactly. so let's None be clear. Yeah. You know, anything can happen. Yeah. But, but, you know, if I'm Kyle Busch's agent, you're playing a little bit of chicken with the Truex decision. If I'm Kyle Busch, me and Martin Truex are having dinner like every week. <laughs> because in my opinion, if Truex comes back, Kyle Busch's value, I don't say value, that's the wrong word, but the leverage tips to Coach Gibbs because he has tie to fill one car if he has to do it. Following me? Yep. If the 19 retires, then the leverage goes back to Kyle. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, coach doesn't want to fill two cars. Yeah, two cars. You, know, you kind of get now. what I'm saying? Like the 19. So if I'm Kyle, in any way I can, I'm trying to figure out the date for the 19 <laughs> and my man Truex and are you coming back or not coming back. Hey, anyway, you would tell me first, like, yeah. because I think his decision, which I will be clear, I've heard nothing other than that is Martin Truex's decision and only Martin Truex's decision, which I am so thankful that a champion who's done so much in the sport gets to decide for himself. Yeah. Because not every athlete gets to do that. Certainly not the way it worked out for Matt Kenseth. Correct. So, so I'm nice thankful that. that Martin yeah. has that, right? Yeah. But, but 
And you can't tell me that doesn't affect the one the neighbor. What do you make of the Xfinity series right now? I mean, if Noah Gregson, if Josh Berry, if those guys continue to win, show promise, do you feel like there's that pipeline is still there? Or do you think we, we need to see more from drivers like that over the second half of the season? You know, so I'm, I'm starting to struggle a little bit like college and pro football. You know, like it's, it's harder and harder every year to see Saturday success guarantee something on Sunday. Or, or it just takes longer than we all think it might should. We had this conversation like, so Chase Briscoe, now a winner. Sendrick, winner, right? We have Byron, winner. Chase Elliott, champion. Suarez, winner. Like, so now these guys that had, had won have moved up. Custer won. I think he would like to have a better year. There's somebody has one, you know. So now this class of 2017 to 2021, whatever that window is, that class of drivers are starting to put trophies on the shelves. That's a good sign for the sport. I've always said I wish there was an age limit in Xfinity because you, you heard the competition guy just said, move the drivers up. Just get them in the cup, learn the new car. So the business side of me and the competition side of me, just put your guy in cup and learn cup, which hurts the Xfinity series some. That's why I think an age limit or required starts would, would be advantageous for the series um, because – I mean, I don't know what to make of it. Like, Josh Berry is a mature driver who runs very well with very little experience in that series. I don't think Justin Algar has any desire to go up. If he, if he does, I haven't heard of it. He seems to be pretty comfortable. So, you know, I don't know what to make of Saturdays, to be quite honest. What would the age limit be? So, I would have to look, I have to look at a lot of data. I think it would be an age and or starts. Like, you could automatically age up with probably no starts or very few. Maybe, maybe 21 or 22, you could automatically run into cup or 23. Like somewhere between 21 and 23, I would say you can automatically run in cup. But if you want to move in cup, maybe like 23. We'll say like, I'd have to go back and look at the data because I don't really know. But call it later, you know, like 20. Trucks would be the same way. I wouldn't, you know, you'd have to run trucks until you were, say, 19. And then Xfinity Series until, say, maybe 23 or 24. Or maybe 35 starts or 50 starts or 100 starts or you know what I mean? I'd give yeah. you an and or. Okay, makes sense. I think what NFL, you have to be at least 21 to get drafted. I think I there's think an the age. age. Yeah, yeah, I just think, and it, and it, and it's it actually has nothing to do with the Cup Series, as silly as that sounds. I think in the NFL, it's more to protect the players because yeah. the game is so violent at times for right. these younger I, This has nothing to do with that, actually. It's more to protect the younger series. You know, I just think that Cup is spectacular. We have stars. We have racing. It's amazing. Um, you know, the problem is, and I've said this on record, and this is no disrespect to the names I'm getting ready to list, but when Daniel Suarez moved up, when – William Byron moved up. When Chase Briscoe moved up, they added very little value for the fan in Cup because we were full of stars. Now, they have turned into superstars, and good for them. My point was, you know, they leave a very big hole in Xfinity yeah. where if maybe they ran one more year yeah. in the transition, you, yeah. you kind of get what I'm trying to say. But to your point, it, it's the right move. Like, it was the right if move for owner, Hendrick to move Byron up. Like, it would be for Ty Gibbs to move up. Yeah. So that's yeah. my point. So now yeah. if I'm NASCAR... Forever, you could argue it wasn't the right move because the cars were very similar right. and the tracks were very similar, right? But now the sport, the technology, is telling me the move is to move quicker. So if I'm NASCAR, I don't know who I'm protecting, whether it's the Xfinity Series or the younger drivers or the fan base or maybe it's Xfinity who's the sponsor of the younger series or the tracks or the – I don't know what I'm trying to defend, but I feel like little brother over here needs a little help 
because Big Brother up here keeps taking all their stars. Yep, yep. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does. All right, we'll get out of here talking Nashville, Stevie. Two points I want to ask you about. One, what do you think we're going to see from next gen? It's the second concrete race. I believe that Dover was the first. It seemed like Hendrick, Chevy's track house was strong there. What do you think we'll see from next gen at Nashville? Well, I think you skipped the first thing we saw at Dover, which is it's not easy. We saw what? I'm going to get the number wrong now. Three, four, or five wrecks yeah. in a 15-minute practice. Yeah, that's right. Now we have 50, which I actually think might reduce the wrecks because you can maybe tiptoe in a little bit more. But I think that 17 races in, they are as hard as they were to drive on race one, which the fans should applaud um, because we are seeing the best in the world test their craft every corner. <laughs> like, they don't even get a corner off. Yeah. So I do expect there to be some attrition. I do expect to see some wrecked race cars. And for that reason, I think that's going to affect how the race plays out itself. A lot of yellows or more yellows than just stage breaks kind of jumble up the field. One thing we haven't talked about the first half of the year that I can't wait to talk about is there's a whole fuel phenomenon that's happening that nobody's talking about, how much fuel you put in on each pit stop. There's a reason people lose track position. Ah. You know, you could change tires faster than you could put the fuel in the car. So... You know, we're seeing a lot of movement on pet road, and I don't think that's just by, by just crazy luck. I think there's some strategy being played there. So who knows? And, and, and be honest, look, I don't know why. I'm not as shocked with the number of winners as I am the lack of a dominant winner. Like it doesn't – like Suarez, can he win? Yes. Chastain, yes. Like no one has won that I'm like, I can't believe that person won. That's yeah. very good. I'm like, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, great, you know. It's – I'm more, if you would say, can you believe no one's won three times? Nah. Larson ain't won three times? Right, right. Kyle Busch hasn't won three times? Danny Hamlin? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I I don't want to discount how good all these teams and drivers are to say I'm surprised they're one. That's a slap in the face to how much work they put into their craft. Every one of them. Some more surprising than others, but no one should be shocked at any of the winners we've had. Like, completely shocked. It's more shocking that we haven't had like somebody hit on a setup or well, hit on a, a streak. I or mean, the thing about the great drivers, the Hall of Fame drivers, the Jimmy Johnsons and Chad Knauss is that we always talk about how great they were in terms of being adaptive. They're so adaptive. So you would think if you come in, all right, new car, new everything, who adapts the best? You would think it would be Larson, Cliff Daniels, and they would win three right. times. But it hasn't happened. So I want to – I haven't been able to figure it out from home. I can't figure it out watching. So I, I can't wait to get my feet – my, the boots on the ground. I cannot wait to get in the garage on Friday and start talking to the people I respect the most, the drivers, crew chiefs, engineers, crew members. I know what they do week in and week out. I had to tap out. I couldn't do it. I had to come to teach. Like, it is so much work. And I want to put the boots on the ground and get there. Like, why are we seeing what we're seeing? Is it parity in the car? Is it – I believe there's there's more – if you look at like a noise wave, there's more noise. Yeah. Like very few people are having very consistent years. Like it's easy to make mistakes on pit road and pit strategies on restarts. The cars wreck. So we're dr- like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's making the soup. The soup is spectacular. I want to know what the garage thinks it is. I can see the wheels turning and people are going to love this fuel analysis that you're only going to get on NASCAR and NBC. All right, before I let you go real quick, because we haven't talked about this all year as much as I think we're going to talk about this weekend on NBC, the heat this is going to be a 100-degree weekend, I think, in Nashville, like many are in the summertime. How do you think? I mean, because I know last year they were worried about how hot these cars would be. I know they've taken steps to alleviate that, but so it's going to be a it, test. Yeah, I want to be clear. It's twofold. Uh, we'll talk the easy one, which is the human one. I think everybody can understand what it's hot to be a human, right? So 
I think the cars have been significantly cooled with some of the ducting. NASCAR's done a great job. They've moved the exhaust. Um, but that was to make a normal day bearable. 100 isn't normal to anybody. It's going to be a grind. And it, and I want the listener to understand, sorry, drivers, I'm good with it. <laughs> this is what you're paid I to do. I wouldn't be okay with it if we had to run 20, 100-degree days. We'd have, like, yeah. like, a few. I want to see how prepared you really are. Did you hydrate all week? How, how, how hard have you been working on your fitness? That should be tested, and it will be. But let's flip it. When you engineer a car and you put in parameters and you do a lot of things, this car is not built with 100 to 200% margins. You know, it's engineered correctly in a lot of areas. Ambient goes up to 100. What's going to fail is anything. We haven't had any, really any driveline issues. We haven't really had any hub or upright issues. We haven't had a whole lot of brake issues. We haven't had a lot of things. If I'm a crew chief, I am having some engineer somewhere in my company sit at his desk and only highlight where his concern that the temperature might make a difference. Hmm. It's going to be the hottest day of the Cup Series season, most likely this Sunday, Nashville Super Speedway, 5 p.m. Eastern, NBC. You get to hear this guy talk about it, Stevie Letarte. Thanks for joining us, man. Great times. Thanks again to Steve Letarte for joining us on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Thanks as well to NASCAR and NBC producers, Emily Conboy and Aaron Feldstein, for lining up Stevie to record the podcast on camera ahead of his appearance on NASCAR America Motormouths on Peacock. As always, in addition to this audio-only version, there also is an on-camera version of the NASCAR and NBC podcast that is available on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. Lots of great content and highlights available there daily, so make sure you visit and subscribe to the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. As Stevie and I discussed, the NASCAR and NBC 2022 season kicks off this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway. The Nashville Cup Series race is at 5 p.m. Eastern Sunday on NBC and Peacock, and Peacock also is where you can find the Cup pre-race show at 4 p.m. Eastern Sunday. The Nashville Cup Series post-race show will be available on USA Network and Peacock. Saturday's broadcast coverage from Nashville begins at noon Eastern on USA Network with Xfinity Series qualifying, which leads into Cup Series qualifying, and then the Xfinity Series race at Nashville Saturday. Again, all of the Saturday NASCAR coverage from Nashville is on USA Network. The Cup race on Sunday will be on NBC and Peacock starting at 5 p.m. Eastern. And I also want to tell you about some other NASCAR programming on a NBC-affiliated network. It's a new show with 2018 Daytona 500 winner Austin Dillon. Get ready for the high-octane life of USA Network's newest crew. Daytona 500 winner Austin Dillon, his wife Whitney, and their friends Paul and Mariel Swan. Two NASCAR couples, four best friends, one wild crew. Catch Austin Dillon's Life in the Fast Lane premiering June 23rd at 9.30 Eastern on USA. That's Life in the Fast Lane, June 23rd at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on USA Network. If you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Life is a highway, 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.